This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalised attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like X has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast of myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. David Moyes came into question after his bizarre approach to the Brighton game, but tonight he walks away from St Mary's with a point, which is a result I think most of us would have taken before the game. We'll be talking about the two recent fixtures before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. That's all coming up on tonight's show. We saw some changes tonight, changes that drew a mixed reaction from the fans, but ultimately we left St Mary's with a point. Was you happy with that result? I think, yeah, I would have taken a point at the start of the of the game and looking at the fixture list and so on, because I think Southampton have been one of the better sides this season, um, particularly at home. They're a good team. Um, and, you know, Brighton performance wasn't the the best performance. So I would have definitely taken a point um, if you offered it to me at the start of the day. So, so yeah, I guess I'm happy with it. I, the only slight niggle is that I think Southampton were actually quite poor. And I think had we really gone for it, we might have maybe been able to get the three points. But I guess to a bit on the side of positivity, it, it's, it's not a bad point, though. No. 
No, I would have taken it before the game, for sure. I, I do think it's a bit of a liberty, to be honest, that we were expected to play twice in two days. I mean, we should have been playing tomorrow, really. Uh, and I think you can maybe give us a little bit of an insight as to how or if that's affected the players, playing two games in such a short period of time, maybe on next week's show. But um, I, I've got to be honest, I'm still a bit pissed off with the Brighton game. Yeah. Because... If you know that you have two games in two days coming up and you're probably going to be resting some of the lads against Southampton, play your best and most creative players at home to Brighton. I mean, the way David Moyes set up was just bizarre. OK, he changed it in the second half and predictably that made a difference. But why didn't he do that from the start? Take the game to Brighton, put them under pressure, dominate a weaker team at home, create chances, score goals and win the game. I've got to be honest, I think I'd rather have won that game and lost tonight because if we did, we'd have one more point than we do now. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I agree with you. Frustrating. I was, yeah, I was very baffled by the team against Brighton, um, very much so. Uh, I don't know why he did that. I mean, I think obviously he was trying to get back the formation of wing backs that worked so well at the start of the season and maybe finding Johnson as the new Masuaku. And in fairness to Johnson, I thought he actually played quite well and obviously scored a goal. Um, but it was way too defensive. Um, Mark Noble cannot play in the midfield three of Suchek and Rice unless you're at an away game, maybe, and you're trying to close out a lead that you've got. But th- there's no other option. I, I don't think, you, no other scenario, sorry, where that should be the midfield three. And, I, and I, you know, I just think it was a really poor selection. And in Moyes' defence, he did admit that afterwards. He did say he got mm. the team wrong, and I guess it's better that the manager admits he makes a mistake and tries to change it, which he did today, um, then persists with a team that he that clearly isn't working. And I guess out of the season so far, you can you can maybe buy him one or two mistakes in his team selection, but there's nothing else really to justify that decision. Yes, he knew he had two games in a short space of time, so he probably wanted to rest a few or like, you know, not put all of the um, players into one game, but I agree with you. Yeah, much better to try and win a reasonably winnable game at home than try and, and then try and draw both because obviously, like you said, it's a point difference. Yeah, it is, 100%. And listen, I'm not going to start jumping on the um, David Moyes doesn't have a fucking future at West Ham because of that one mistake. And to yeah, his credit... ridiculous. The, yeah, exactly. On Twitter. Uh, oh, mate, and there was, and there was. And, and I just look at it with a smile on my face. And I just think, we was only talking about how fickle fans are last week because it was one uh-huh. of the questions. And that's your prime example. So I'm well, certainly not one of those. Well, I've put that as one of the questions this week as well, because I was absolutely gobsmacked at how negative it suddenly became. Well, I say gobsmacked because I'm never gobsmacked with West Ham fans' negativity anymore, but I still get was baffled how many people were saying he should be sacked after the one <laughs> bad performance. And we didn't even lose the game as well. It's the ironic thing. Yeah. Obviously, we should have won, but there are worst-case scenarios. No, true. And and like you say, to his credit, he did come out and say, look, I got it wrong. I just found it completely baffling how when that team was announced, every single West Ham fan in the country was saying, this ain't going to work. There's no creativity where the goal's going to come from. We're at home to Brighton and it looks like we're sitting out for a point. I, I found that really, really strange, mate. And, you know, I still can't get my head around it. And, and, it, and it is frustrating. It is frustrating because... I would have been so much happier with the point tonight 
if we'd have beaten Brighton. And oh. um, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, struggling to move on from that, um, to be honest with you. So, you know, Moyes has come under question a little bit for me recently, which is a shame. Uh, and there were more questions before the game tonight. I mean, we'll come to Dawson's performance in a minute. But why was he selected over Diop? Has, has this really been that bad in training? Well, I, I read, you know, when I was told the team, um, I, I tend not to ask until quite near um, the submission date now anyway. I mean, I, I get told who's in the squad and stuff, but I tend not to ask for the actual 11 until quite near the end for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Boys doesn't name it until quite near the end anyway. But second of all... Um, it's just, um, it can change so quickly because of COVID and stuff. Now it's better to know late than know early, if that makes sense. Anyway, when I got given, the, the, when I was given the team, I that was the exact question I asked. How can Dawson leapfrog over Diop to be um, in the team ahead of Balbuena? Now, Balbuena was rested. Balbuena had a slight injury not long ago. Was it Chelsea, I think? And they didn't want him to maybe two games a short space of time to like tweak that injury so he was rested but then you naturally assume that Duke was going to come in but apparently when I questioned Dawson has been brilliant in training uh he's been like he's uh like I said it before when he was on the subs bench ahead of Duke I think it was um he's got leadership qualities they really really like his leadership you saw that in the game today and I said it a couple of weeks ago it's really highly valued he is he is a captain now in a squad where you don't have many leaders that leadership is important and at the end of the day um he was highly rated once upon his uh, time in his career. Yes, he got relegated by Watford with Watford and with West Brom, but it doesn't always mean you're a bad player. If you get relegated because it means that the even the manager or the players around you are bad players. Look at that West Ham team of two thousand and uh, and three. You know, Joe yeah. Cole. Jermaine Defoe, Michael Carrick, Trevor Sinclair, David James, the Canio, Canute, you know, they weren't bad players. It was just a bad team. Um, so I think fans have been unfairly harsh on Dawson. And I know it's easy to say that based upon what I've just seen, but that he has done well in training. And apparently it has not been up to the same standard. And this is the, the benefit and the, the luxury that obviously the manager and the coaching staff have over us fans. You know, we can sit there and get irate about team selection, but we don't know what's gone on that week during training. And so that was why his boys is right as manager to pick the best team for a game. He felt that Dawson was a better choice than Diop. And in, in that scenario, he was proven to be right. Yeah, I think you've made some really good points there. And I think it is about opening your mind to what's going on off the pitch, which is massive. And it's obviously a massive factor in the fact that he started tonight. bit worrying when it comes to Diop, though. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, <clears throat> there was talk, you know, certainly when Mourinho was at Manchester United and um, a few other clubs as well were interested in buying Diop for like £50 million. Uh, I don't think you'd get anywhere close to £50 million for him now if we were to try and no. sell him. That his stock is definitely devalued. Um, I think you know COVID obviously affected him. It probably affected him more so than than you know can be proven because I don't you know don't know enough about COVID, but it affects different people in different ways. But also his confidence has been affected now because effectively, if you think about it now, after today's game, his fifth choice centre back because you know you got Ogbonna. 
you've got Balbuena, you've got Cresswell, you've got Dawson now, his fifth choice centre back, and that you know that is quite crushing for someone that was uh, talked about as being a top top talent. So uh, he's got to recapture his form somehow, and I just think he's just off form at the moment and confidence is affected. I mean that you know that that's probably quite an obvious statement, but I think that that is what the case is. Mm. What did you think of Craig's performance tonight? I thought he played well. Like at first, you know, that when they had their goal disallowed, I thought, oh my God, what was that? When he sort of, I thought, what have we let ourselves in for here? But then after that, he really sort of grew into it. And um, I thought, I liked his leadership. I liked the fact he was throwing himself onto things. He seemed to attack the ball quite well from corners and set plays. Um, I thought he was he was commanding and I thought, I thought he played quite well to be fair I thought like when Morrison said man of the match he was one of the players going through my head as to a contender um, and, and when he got it I, I agreed with it um, be interesting because I've done the man of the match poll on um, on our Patreon so it'd be interesting just have a quick quick glance and actually see who's winning here at the moment do you want me to do that just quickly while I'm on the phone and that yeah all, do that that, that we'll see what the what the patrons think, but um, it's uh, yeah, I think it's a good debut. At the end of the day, he kept a clean sheet at his debut, didn't he? Yeah, he's smashing it. He's way ahead. Um, is he, he really? Is, yeah, I, I, I don't want to give. Yeah, well, yeah, he's about at least yeah, four three hundred ahead, three hundred ahead of the next person who is for nows who is slightly ahead of Ogbonna. But Dawson is miles ahead, so obviously the people agreed with it. That's really interesting, you know, because, well, a couple of points I'd make on that. I mean, personally, through my eyes, I didn't think he had a great first half, if I'm honest. He was a I, little I, bit dodgy. I'm not he, gonna lie. he was. He was. Yeah, I felt quite uncomfortable watching him at times. Yeah, because um, it wasn't just that goal. There was also... Um, uh, the um, where he gave the ball away, he sort of beat two men. I thought oh, he did quite well there, but then he yeah. just passed it straight down the middle, didn't he? Which almost led to something. Yeah, and I think he gave away quite a stupid foul that led to Wal Prowse's free kick from close range. I think that was him that gave away that foul. And then there was another time when he was running um, towards his own goal when he should have given it back to Fabianski, and he's just. I don't know, seemed to panic, turn around, and just kick it out of play and give possession away again. And I, I watched him in that first half and I thought, I, I, I don't feel comfortable with him at centre-half. I really don't. And obviously, I haven't even mentioned the the goal that was disallowed. I mean, he got absolutely fucking roasted by Ings for that. Yeah. Having said that, having said that, he then grew into the game. And one thing that you have to take into account with Craig, even though he's training every day, I can't remember the last time he played in the Premier League. So to be kind of lacking match fitness, what you would assume he would be, and not being, you know, not been playing in the Premier League week in, week out, to have come in and grown into the game like he did and actually have a very good second half, in my opinion, I can see why um, why people are kind of leaning towards him being the best player on the pitch. I'm interested to hear that Suchek wasn't one of the names that people was voting for because I thought he played well today. Yeah, in fairness, I thought Suchek played well. He was quite good defensively. Um, he made a couple of crucial interceptions. I thought, I mean, Suchek is right down there. He's one of the lower ones, to be fair. Is he really? Yeah, I mean, in order at the moment, goes Dawson first, Fonnell second, Ogbonna third, um, Rice fourth. Oh, no, he's fifth, sorry. He's fifth, Suchek's fifth. But he's only got 27 votes, whereas Dawson's got 400 on. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. Because um, I thought, I, I, in my opinion, I would have argued that Suchek would have been a contender for man of the match, personally. Um, yeah. I, I don't think anyone was outstanding tonight, if I'm honest. Um, which really makes it quite hard to pick a uh, man of the match alternative to Craig Dawson. But I, I think Suchek would have been up there for me. So it's interesting how different people see the, the game. But talking about the game, generally speaking, as opposed to individuals, how do you think we performed? I know you was happy with the result, but was you happy with the performance? Um, it's difficult because, like I said at the start, Southampton are a tough team and we made them look pretty rubbish. Now, I don't know if that was us making them look rubbish or whether they were just off form, but we, they didn't really give us any threat apart from the goal that they scored, but then that was offside, rightly. Um, so, when to go away to... Southampton, and like I said, who are one of the better teams, is not a bad result. I, again, I think we didn't attack as well as we could have. Yarmolenko kept trying to cut in on his left foot constantly when there was better options. I felt when he was on the right, um, not sure whether I can be bothered to speak about Hilaire, but <laughs> so honestly, I can actually be bothered to touch on it, but like. Uh, you know, Antonio did more in the last 15 minutes than he did the whole game. And I just think attacking wise, we just um, we just missed that kind of edge. I think defensively we were good, but we were quite the midfield kind of did what they needed to do. It was just that fa- sort of final end product. And also one thing that graced on me a little bit today, and it's graced on me against Brighton as well, is the set plays. Why we don't put them in the box, I do not know. We've got yeah. the, the highest scoring rates from set plays now we got Suchek, Pogba, Rice, you know Hilaire's tall, um, Dawson today, all all there for set pieces, even at the end when they clearly knew there was like 30 seconds left or even less, they didn't even put it in the box then they're like pissing around with it on the halfway line and it's just mm. that, that, that annoyed me because clearly one of our main strengths is set plates and get it in the box as much as you can um so that was frustrating so i'd say i on the whole if you were to give me a performance out of 10 i'd probably say a seven so i'll take a seven yeah it's hard to disagree with any of that i mean as a whole i thought we defended well and we restricted southampton who have been decent this year and we were hard to break down and that was definitely a positive for me our biggest problem was keeping hold of the bloody ball I mean, our ball retention was terrible tonight. And, you know, when you can't keep possession, you're just constantly inviting pressure from the opposition. Um, I found that really frustrating. We've got to work on that because possession is key, whether you're home or away. Uh, So I found that frustrating, um, along with what you're saying about set pieces, especially when it's such a strength of ours. And we've got, you know, quite a few lumps in that side. You just got to use it. You know, you definitely got to use it. But the knives were out tonight for Hilaire. Um, and he was joined by Yarmolenko, who was getting quite a lot of stick as well. I know you're reluctant to talk about him for different reasons, but we must talk about Hilaire. I mean, who's going to go first, me or you? Maybe you go first. You might say what I think, and I won't have to say anything, because I'm just sick to death of talking about this now. I've been talking about it since, what, God knows, now November last year, maybe, trying to tell people... Uh, majority seem to agree with me now, but still that cult that just will not have a bad word said, but go ahead. 
Well, I'm losing patience by the day now to a point where I'm not sure I've got any anymore. I mean, I have defended him. I have seen certain qualities in him and I have kind of half expected him to become the £45 million player that we're all dreaming of. But as the weeks go by, I'm just giving up all hope with him. And I tell you what, when I watch him, I think the biggest problem he has is his work rate and just how sluggish he is on and off the ball. He never seems to be on his toes. He's never lively. And he never sort of goes to attack the ball. And sometimes a cross will go into the box. And, and you think to yourself, if you would have been a yard faster, or if you'd have started your run a split second earlier, you'd have gotten the end of that. And, and I've, I've found it a real struggle watching him. And um, the amount of times he gave the ball away again was ridiculous. His hold-up play, which is something I've credited him for in the past, was just was just awful and I honestly think he's not suited to the Premier League I think he could well he could well do well in a different league in a different country but I just don't think the Premier League is for him um and it's just a nightmare and I I think you're right I think Antonio came on and I think he was a breath of fresh air for those 15 minutes he's not even fully match fit and I really am struggling with Halea because and I've said this for a long time now it's Halea's persona that will do him no favours if he's not delivering. And it really isn't doing him any favours now because when he's not playing well and he has that persona that he doesn't give a shit, it fucking infuriates me. Whereas if he scored two or three goals and he's got that persona, then we all love him. It's it's arrogance. But I'm I'm watching him now and tonight I was just thinking, fucking I cannot wait until Antonio is back 100% because I just think he's... I can't defend him anymore. You know, he's week after week. He's just, he's just not good enough. And I, I just don't think he's suited to the Premier League. Mate, I, I agree entirely with what you said. And now the thing is, how many times do people make excuses for him? So the excuses mm. that we've had is that the system doesn't suit him. So there's been various systems in the last few games, you know, wing backs has been uh, for in midfield. Yes, there hasn't been directly two up front, but against Brighton, Bowen was kind of meant to be up alongside him. Um, you know, Suchek scores goals with, head, with his head. Um, yes, it's because he kind of makes late runs into the box. Why doesn't Hilaire, like, position himself on the edge of the box and make those late runs? Um, he, he doesn't hold the ball up very well. For someone that's like six foot three, six foot four, he gets knocked off the ball all the time. That, um, why, what you said about getting that yard on people for from when the ball's in the box i just it's that i if you remember i referred to him and i got so much stick for this but i tried to say to people think about didier drogba right think of the presence he had in the penalty area now, you know alaire cannot be didier drogba because didier drogba was a man mountain and he was world class but he can still fight for balls he can at least fight for them um and he doesn't and exactly what you said about being suited to this league it's no shame Look at the two guys at Chelsea, Werner and Harvets or whatever. They both came from um, Germany, both high, highly, highly rated, even more rated than they probably. Big money signings. Both of them haven't delivered at Chelsea. Um, it's and regularly players come from certain leagues and cannot adjust here. Now, yes, there has been some examples that have come from Germany and done well in England. But off the top of my head, I can't think of a huge amount of players that have. Um, you know, there's been players that have gone from here to Germany that have done well. 
you know. But th- there's not a huge amount I can think of here. I mean, look at, you know, I could pick others. Like Owen Hargreaves, you know, he was really good at Bayern Munich, fairly average at Manchester United. Um, you know, there have been other players throughout their time that just may not be suited to a certain league. Balak is about the only one I can really think of. And this is me not thinking it through on the top of my head. It's the only one I can think of that did do quite well in England. But it does, whatever the case, I'm sure people will throw more examples at me that I've forgotten. But the bottom line is, certain players don't work in certain leagues. Now, yes, ideally, he'd have two men up front like he did at Frankfurt that everyone keeps going on about. But we don't have that. And yes, that might be his ideal situation, but you can't have the ideal situation like in every match that you play for one player. You can't build a whole team around one player that may deliver or may not. I think, personally... He's had a lot. He's had a run of games. Now, what, five games? He scored a good goal against um, Palace, a really good goal, world-class goal against Palace. He's played OK in some of the other games, but OK isn't good enough. And yes, he didn't set the £45 million price tag. I know that. I know it wasn't him that set it. But the bottom line is, if you can get £30 million of that back, you probably could get a more effective player. In my opinion, I hope, I hope he proves me wrong. And I hate talking about it because there are some people on both sides of the argument. There's some people that will not have a good word said about Alain. Whatever he does, Alain's crap, Alain's shit, he's shit, he's shit. But then there's the other lot that will not have a bad word said against him. And I swear to you, if he'd been a £2 million signing from Bristol Rovers called Steve Harris, right? People would not be giving him the amount of time that they've given him. Um, but it's because of what he did in Germany and fair play. Maybe he is a good player in Germany. I'm sure he is. He looks good in the clips I've seen, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's a fair player for West Ham. Fans should try to not have preconceived opinions and judge on a game on a sort of match by match by match basis. That's what I try to do with players. I'll praise him if he does well. I'll slaughter him if he doesn't. Um, and that's where I'm at. I think that the negative performances outweigh the positive, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. And the £45 million price tag is going to follow him around for the rest of his career at West Ham. And there's no getting away from that because at the end of the day, it's in the public eye. It's a, a lot of money to West Ham. And the respective wages he gets in addition to that price tag that was paid is massive so the expectation should be there we've got our right as fans to have that expectation and the owners have got that right to have that expectation and if he was to leave the club tomorrow I wouldn't look at his time as a disaster at West Ham in the sense that Zaza probably was or Caleri probably was if we would have paid five million pound for Hilaire and sold him tomorrow for 10 million pound I don't think any of us would be having the conversations we do to this level about him. But our return on investment, as it stands, really has been non-existent. And like I say, his work rate, how sluggish he is on his toes, the fact that at times I've seen him hold the ball up well and bring other players into the game well. He's not consistent enough doing that. He's not um, quick enough on the front foot, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, he, He doesn't have that presence in the box. And you're quite right. You know, I, I was one of those people 
that was making excuses for him. I didn't think he was getting the right level of service. But that has changed now, and I think you're spot on in terms of when people are saying it's the wrong system. Well, we've we've messed about with different systems. It's not as if we've stuck him in there and said, right, this is the system we play. You take it or you leave it. We want you to deliver against whatever we put out there on the pitch. We have messed about. We've tinkered with different formations. And I do believe the service has been there. And the fact that Antonio has scored the amount of goals he scored proves that the service has been there. So it just hasn't worked with Hilaire, uh, generally also, speaking. Back to the training ground thing. Do, do, do fans honestly think that Moyes has sat there and not thought, right, what did this guy do at Frankfurt to be as good as he was? He would have looked at it and people always tell you that he had Jovic and Rebrich alongside him, yeah? So they would have looked at that. They would have set up like that in training. They would have set up with, I don't know, Bowen and... Antonio say off him and they would have worked on these things they would have looked at the options and they would have probably decided that it doesn't work in training either so to for these fans to just think that oh how comes it's so simple I see people message on Twitter it's so simple you just have to play to his strengths well if it's that simple how comes so like a so many people Pellegrini um Moyes the coaches the other players can't do it if it's that mm. simple you know mm. I just think we have to I you know I'm not you know he might turn out to get a rain a fate a run of form and start producing and be really, really good. But how, how long do you wait for this to happen? That's that's mm. my problem with it. And I can't talk about him anymore because like every day you go on Twitter, there's someone in the pro Hilaire camp making some snidey comment about, like, see, because if you play to his strengths, this is what you're going to get. And and then, then you've got someone else in the other camp making a snidey comment about how how crappy he is it's just so boring now it's so boring mm. just like let let the opinion be of the person rather than trying to improve either way in my opinion when we signed a player for 45 million i expected more and i don't feel like i'm wrong to expect more from a forward that is just i don't know I, I, at times i felt he wasn't there today you know, you should mm. at least feel like your 45 million forward is there. I felt at times the game was just bypassing him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've spoken to four or five ex-pros that were strikers and played for West Ham, and none of them fancy him. You know, right. these are people that have played the game. Um, well, this is what I told it, you at the start, didn't I? When he saw in, and again, people think this is what I base my opinion on. It's not. But I told you at the very start, when people when we signed him, that a lot of the people had said to me that they were a bit unsure on him, that they didn't think he had a left foot, they didn't think he was very strong, they didn't think he had a presence, blah, 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 blah. And these were all people that were seeing him at the club, you know? So... Uh, it's quite ignorant of these people just to think that they know football that much better, that everyone else is wrong and they're right. Well, I was going to say, uh, I think it's actually with, with some of these people on Twitter more a case of they don't want to admit they were wrong. No, so that if, if if Hilaire will produce a moment in the game, play shit for 89 minutes, but for that one minute produce something spectacular, in their mind that's ammunition to prove they were right all the way along. And I think sometimes it's people's egos that are yeah. protecting the, the genuine opinion of a player. You know? A million percent, mate. When Hilaire scored that goal against Crystal Palace, like I said, world-class goal, but I had so many tweets. Uh, Hilaire proving X wrong. Hilaire, uh, um, 
Hello, saying like like X back in your back back in your box. Sorry, um, uh, shutting X up, proving X wrong. What one world class goal is going to make me change my opinion of fifteen months of football? That's why mm. I put out that tweet. Something like Sheffield United score a world class goal today. Does that suddenly mean that they're a decent team? You know, it was just ridiculous mm. that people think that you make a snap opinion like that. <clears throat> if Hello scored that goal against Crystal Palace and then followed it up against whatever we played after them, Brighton was it, can't remember now, and then played well in that game, then played well against Southampton, I would say, yeah, he's played well for three games, got to keep him in the team, got to build on that. I don't know if you're going to cover this in your section, but how close to full match fitness is Mickey, do you know? Well, the the fact that he got 15 minutes today, and that was kind of always the plan, shows that he's probably working at about, you know, what's 15 minutes out of 90. He's working at that kind of, sort of take that back from 100% fitness-wise. So he's probably working at about 80, 85, I would say. Um, So the Everton game... It's the base for what you do for that game because I think we so need to get him back in the team, but then you, you risk the fact that he could get injured. So maybe against Everton, and they are a better team than Southampton, um, maybe if you go to to be like nullifying them for large parts of the game, you keep a layer there and then you bring Antonio on at half time and you go for the win, maybe. I don't know because it's a real tough one and the bottom line is we've got too thin a squad no Premier League team should be going into their season with one recognised forward mm. the other is a winger converted to a forward who's got shot to pieces hamstrings there's no way we should have gone into this season with two forwards because the inevitable was going to happen Antonio was going to get injured then we'd be relying on Hilaire who Personally, don't think we can rely on. So we should never have got ourselves into this situation. We should have signed King if that's who Moyes wanted and had those three forwards. And then that way, if Alea's not performing, you can put King in or, or vice versa and you're not so reliant on Antonio. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I want to talk to you about Yarmolenko because he was someone else who come under fire a little bit from fans tonight. And he's often a talking point in terms of where you could potentially play him. Now, a lot of people seem to think that he could potentially work as a number 10 and maybe even provide the solution to the lack of a decent forward. Is he potentially worth playing up front instead of Hilaire? Well, he's played there for Ukraine, hasn't he? And I think he's done all right there. He's got a good shot on him. Technically, he is a very good player. I think arguably, arguably, technically, he is one of the best players, I would say. The main problem he has, which is such an essential trait now for Premier League football, is he doesn't have any pace. And, Mm. you know, as a forward, you've got to have an element of pace. Certainly, if you're the only one up there, you've got to be able to hold the ball up also. It It depends what forward you are. You've got to be able to hold the ball up if it's played to you, but you've also got to be able to run onto it if you're the only one out there, which is what Antonio can do both very well. And Anatovic could do because, again, Anatovic, his pace was completely underestimated. He was very quick. Um, Allaire certainly struggles with pace um, and his hold-up play is, like you said, questionable. Yarmolenko doesn't have pace. Now, I, I just that's the thing that puts me off. I think he's probably a good finisher on his left foot, but... Um, does he have the pace to play out there? I don't think so. I think the the bottom line is we're almost in January. We've got to make a January signing very quickly, a forward, so that we've got that option. Mm. 
Mm. Yeah, I, mean, yeah I, I, I think we should. I mean, again, you know, I know the club continues to play poverty and it's it's like we should have dropped to our knees and, and thanked them with every fibre of our being for producing £25 million on a loan obligation for Ben Rama. Um, but I still think we should have gone that extra mile to sign King because he is a workhorse and Hilaire isn't. He is um, he's someone that's played in the Premier League. Uh, he wouldn't cost a lot of money because his contract's coming to an end. And he's someone that David Moyes wanted. So, in my opinion, that deal should have happened. And it worries me now that the closer we get to the end of his contract, the more teams are going to be competing against us to sign him when we probably could have had that deal done and dusted. So that is quite frustrating. We definitely do need more options than uh, than Antonio and Hilaire because as incredible as Antonio has been, you could argue he's not even a natural forward. So actually, we're playing in the Premier League with not a natural forward and a striker that isn't good enough and we've got no other options. So no. we, we, it's definitely an area we have to look at. I mean, one pressing question, and I'm not even sure there's a right answer to this, to be honest with you, because we seem to have performed really well with both formations, is do you play four at the back and free up a number 10 going forward or do you play five at the back? Or does it depend on who you play and where you play? It's very tricky, isn't it? Because like both formations, seem to have had equally as positive and negative results they, they seem to we seem to not be able to smash a system personally I thought we played better when we had to five but then that was very reliant on Masuaku and Antonio maybe the four at the back is better when you don't have those two and the five is better when you do have those two because Masuaku's mm. loss has been as almost as big as Antonio's um, and I think that you know we've really struggled and that does show how thin our squad is really that two injuries have really really disrupted our performances um and i just i just don't even know if king is the right answer i mean admittedly when we were after him in the summer i actually wanted him over ben rama not because i wasn't excited by Ben Rama and I actually thought Ben Rama had a big impact coming on today and every time Ben Rama's played I've been impressed by him he seems skillful tricky direct but I actually wanted us to sign Joshua King over him and the reason was not because I thought he was a better player but I thought I, I, I thought Moyes would use him more and I thought he'd be more suited to Moyes system so you're better to have a player that he's actually going to be used than one that's on the bench um, but the thing is this season Joshua King's obviously determined to get out of Bournemouth but he's barely played you know, like I think he's played very little. I don't even know if he scored this season. So, you, what are you actually taking on board here? Are you taking mm. on someone that's going to have to take another month or so to get up to the standard he needs to be? Um, I don't know. And, you know, I think King's a decent player. but scored goals for Bournemouth. A lot of them were penalties, I think. But he scored at international level as well. Uh, I think he was at Man United at one point. So he's obviously got talent there to be recognised. But is he the answer? I don't know. But whatever the case is, we do need to get another forward. We have to. It's a ridiculous situation. Antonio will get injured again, 100%. And so mm. then if we don't replace him, we've got the whole situation going over there. And maybe he'll be performing by then, but there's still a big question mark over it. But the problem is, is if West Ham are going to play one striker, who are you going to sign that is going to want to come and play for West Ham and ultimately play second fiddle to your first choice striker, which is going to be Antonio or your marquee £45 million striker? You know, it, there's, there's no one, I don't think, that's... That, 
truly recognised out there that he's a prolific striker, that A, would come to West Ham, and B, come to West Ham knowing that they're not going to start week in, week out. So who who is this player? Is it is it um, uh, a sharpshooter from the Championship maybe we should be looking at? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the thing. Who is the player? I mean, the one thing that Joshua King does have is that he can play on the left wing as well. So maybe do sign him because that gives you the option of he playing on the left because I do question, even though I think Fornell has had one of his better games today, and obviously you can play Ben Rama there as well. Um, we could we could say that... Um, we could say that King could also give options on that on that wing. So maybe maybe he is the person. And you know he is going to be cheap. We're told how little money the board have got again. So maybe the options aren't great out there. And um, and King is someone that we can that we can explore now. The interesting thing is you can't have two loans now because we've got two loans. We've got Dawson and Ben Rama. So mm. you so. We are only going to be limited to be able to sign players that are free or cheap, or we convert or terminate one of those loans. Now, on the basis of that, I think Dawson played well today, so it'd be harsh to terminate his loan. Ben Rama, I don't think we can terminate his loan, but we could pay for him to be made permanent now. But is Moyes or Sullivan going to want to do that when he hasn't really proven himself, so to speak, at West Ham? So really, the options, if we have little money, are going to be very limited on what we can actually sign. I think probably King or Diego Costa or a few others are the only Mm. options out there. Yeah, yeah. Diego Costa, I think, is a decent shout. Um, But I I do think it's going to be a struggle because... Yeah, yeah, I would. I think he's the sort of player that the fans would love. I know he's he's obviously got some affection towards Chelsea, but, you know, he, he gives 110%, he gets stuck in, and I think that's why a lot of fans um, warm to the idea of Mitrovic coming to West Ham when he was linked with us, because he's that sort of player, and, and we love players like that. So I would have no issue with that whatsoever, but it is, it is a problem. I mean, uh, another club that has the exact same problem is Tottenham. Yeah. Because what striker is going to want to go and play for Tottenham who play one up front, knowing full well that you're only ever going to kick a football for Tottenham when Harry Kane is injured? Yeah, I know. It's not a great incentive, is it, really? It's really tricky. Like, um, and the only thing you can do is offer high wages. <laughs> then, you, then you're kind of talking West Ham here and we'll shoot ourselves in the foot by doing that. So, yeah, it's a really tricky situation to be in you know I can't imagine Hilaire's happy I mean I don't know this is just my opinion but I can't imagine he's enjoying himself at West Ham I mean that said I have no. heard that I have heard that a couple of German clubs were lining up loans for him but he's actually wants to stay at least to the summer to try and um, prove himself at West Ham so but really he can't he can't be enjoying his football not like he was in Germany and Holland anyway um Antonio's obviously loving it because he's sort of reborn again but his hamstrings mm. aren't loving it and that's the issue mm, it is the issue I mean does someone like Zande Silva have a future at West Ham are we overlooking some of the players that we might have in the academy because you could argue with performances like that from Hilaire tonight and with Antonio unavailable why not give some of these boys a chance what have we got to lose yeah, I don't think Xander Silva has has it now. I mean, he made, I thought he did all right when he played against 
West Brom or whoever it was when he made a, uh, an appearance in the cup. Um, Birmingham, maybe. Can't remember. He played at Summer in the cup, and I thought it was all right. But, you know, he's playing in the Greek league, is he now? Um, and I, from what I've heard, I think he scored a good goal the other day, but I've not heard him really scoring many. And if you can't perform in the Greek league, um, I don't know if you're going to be able to make a Premier League personally. Um, and then you've got Mippo, but he's unproven. I mean, he looks good in under 21s, under 23 games. And I've heard that he's a good finisher and actually quite talented and could make it. But then, you know, I heard the same about Elliot Lee. And, you know, he's struggling to play for Luton now. You know, Freddie Sears struggling to play for Ipswich. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. I think Mippo needs to maybe be given a chance when he's fit, possibly. Well, uh, this is true because you know you're never going to be proven unless you're given the opportunity you know and, and Ollie Lee was and Freddie Sears was and you know they, they didn't amount to nothing but at some stage we're going to have to have a look at some of these players and say are they good enough because they're getting older and it might get to a point where they say do you know what we've looked at him he's been at the academy for a long time now we've worked with him day in day out he's not going to make it at Premier League level and he isn't good enough for West Ham and maybe that's the case for Silver I mean <sighs> It, it seems harsh to make that judgment on him after playing once for West Ham. But then again, if he's not really cutting it um, at academy level, he's struggling in the Greek leagues, then maybe that's the right decision to make. But I don't know. I just think at some point we might have to think to ourselves, have we got anything to lose? You look at the performance of Hilaire tonight, um, give a kid a run out. I mean, it'd be a cup final for him to, to get a chance to start for West Ham. What an opportunity, you know, um, I don't know. I don't even know if there's anyone in the academy up front good enough, X, to be honest with you. I'm just trying to think out loud more than anything else. The only one's Mippo, mate. He's the only one. Or Xander Silva, you're right. The others, I've asked around and they don't, you know, they're not scoring enough at that level, let alone Premier League level. And they've had Mm -hmm. loans at like League Two teams and not delivered. So they're the only two. Um, So Mippo is probably the only one, really, because Xander Silva, I think, is on loan for the the whole season, um, and he had a quite uh, serious injury as well, so I don't know how much that's affected him. But, um, yeah, it, I think maybe your best bet is to get a, a forward that's, like, you know, coming up from the lower leagues that might might be someone that you can develop that's, you know, eager to get in a Premier League squad, prove himself, and will fight. At the end of the day, like, it sounds patronising and people will people will say that's not what his game's about but even if we have a forward that comes in and technically isn't that great but runs around puts his foot mm. in, challenges for balls, gets stuck in it might be better than what we're seeing at times from Alain you know, yes Alain mm. might be a better finisher and he might be, a, you know, if he gets the opportunity but for whatever reason whether it be the system, whether it be um, Alain or, or whatever he's not getting those chances so in some ways you're better off having a young raw forward running around just call it being a nuisance so that allows other players more space than having Alain you know, you talk about like Ian Dowie. Ian Dowie, for example, was technically terrible, but he used to fight for balls, get stuck in, run, chase things, uh, and you know that enabled other players to play better. Steve Jones, you know, got him what for forty k, didn't we, from Billericay or somebody like that? Basildon, I can't remember, and he he came straight to the Premier League. I know it's a a, a different like time now but he had pace so it made him awkward technically mm. his finishing wasn't great still got a few goals for us because he had pace 
that he was hard to play against. You know, we've had, mm. we've had players like that down the years. Um, so maybe it is a, a better option. You know, there's been, but like people had punts on the forwards that have turned out to be really good. You know, like you say, Vardy, you know, they took a punt on him and look at him. He's one of the best Premier League forwards now. The, mm. the, there's others out there that I'm sure you could do the same with maybe. Honestly, I think there's a lot to be said in the modern game, in this day and age, for a lone striker to not necessarily be expected to just score goals. I mean, if you look at Robert Firmino, for example, for yeah, Liverpool, exactly, mate, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't score many goals, but what he brings to that team is absolutely crucial. And they're OK with the fact that he doesn't score many goals because of how many goals he's involved in you know Emil Heskey made a career out of it Um, you talk you talk about workhorses there that might not necessarily get you double figures in goals but add so much more value Ched Evans from Southampton from what I understand they really like him down there not an out-and-out goal scorer but does all the work for Danny Ings Shane Long Long. you know uh, these players are potentially something we should be looking at. And maybe we should be moving away from, um, you know, trying to find that 20-goal-a-season striker because we've got enough quality sitting behind the striker for that one person to have the sole purpose of bringing other players into play. Well, now, that, you, that would widen our horizons, I think. Definitely. If you take the Liverpool scenario, I mean, I know you're talking about the top team in the league here, but, like, you, you look at... Um, like you say, Firmino enables Mane and Salah to score so many goals. You look at um, uh, Manchester United, right? They don't really have an out-and-out thought, do they? I mean, they play Martial through the mm. middle most times, but they have Rashford on the left. Sometimes they have Greenwood on the right. Fernandez gets lots, lots of goals for them. So, you know, Man City haven't had Aguero or Jesus for most of the season. And then you get the odds, you know, Mares scores, De Bruyne scores, Sterling scores. I know you're talking mm. about the, the top teams here, but it is it is sometimes the case that the forward doesn't have to be the top goal scorer. You know, and, mm. you know, there's times in West Ham's like history, you know, Julian Dix, left back, has been top goal scorer. Mm. Um, you know, Paolo Di Canio never scored an abundance of goals for us. You know, mm-hmm. he scored some good goals, maybe 12 a season or whatever, 13, 14 a season. But then you had the likes of <clears throat> Frank Lampard getting goals off him. Exactly. Um, you know, and other players. So you're right. Maybe it is the case that we don't have to have our forward as our top goals. We've got Suchek. Now, you know, you've got Suchek, you've got Bowen, you've got... You know, you could play Antonio off one of them. You've got Ben Rama, you've got Lanzini, Yarmolenko. You've got players that could score you the goals. So the forward mm. doesn't, you know, the forward doesn't have to just offer a goal threat. Like, you know, not that I would do this ever, because I think it would be ridiculous. But remember when West Ham had no strikers back in the late, um, early 2000s? Played Ian <laughs> Pearce up front, didn't they? And it, yeah, was, yeah. And it didn't well, I think he might have even scored a couple of goals, but he did all right. He ran around. <clears throat> Sometimes there's been other examples. Dion Dublin, you know, he's played centre back. He's played striker. Paul Warhurst, centre back, striker. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's been other examples um, throughout history where Rude Hullet, you know, he played various positions. So um, yeah, you you could even think maybe Eastern Europe. I told you they played him in the training. <laughs> you know? so he's, he's he's big. He's strong. He's got pace. Even just having yeah. that presence. I mean, it would get a bit comical if we ended up doing that. But, you know, maybe that's something to explore in the transfer market, perhaps. Is there an issue with Ben Rama? 
because for some reason he's not starting when he's expected to start and you never really get the sense that David Moyes really has 100% confidence in him. Well, as I said when we signed him, I have to be careful because I get the, the usual troll cunts. Sorry to use that word. I don't like that word. But there's a, there's a, group, <laughs> there's a, group, there's a group of about 20 of them and they start, like they get blocked. Then they make another account. Then they get blocked. Then they make another account. They get blocked. They've been doing this for about five years. Um, and I just hope they'll hit puberty soon because once they do, they're going to reflect back and think, my God, did I really spend all my hours doing that? Um, anyway, that, they um, they always say, oh, X is, uh, I was, shouldn't let this information out. But you don't have to be an ITK to realise that the Ben Rama wasn't 100% a Moyes signing. First of all, he's a sort-house um, client and we all know what happened there. Second of all, he wanted Eze, but we didn't have the money to sign Eze at the time. Then he went to Palace. Then we sold Dean Garner, etc., etc. Um, and then in the end, he, he ended up saying, yeah, I'll take Ben Rama because he didn't have any other options as such. And then we signed Ben Rama. So immediately, he's thinking, well, I'm not convinced on this plan, but I'll give him a go. <clears throat> and then he's decided, like Bowen, he thought, although he seems to have um, changed that opinion with Bowen quite quickly. He also said something about Suchet, but his comment is that he thinks Ben Rama's ball retention is not that good. He gives the ball away too often and he makes the wrong choices. And there has been examples of that in the Leeds game, particularly. But even today, there was a couple of instances where I noticed it where he did make the wrong choice. Um, and so maybe Moyes is right. Again, he sees that layer on the training ground. Now, I don't agree of what I've, because of what I've seen in the matches. In the matches, I think Ben Rama has looked our most attacking and exciting player, and I would play him. But again, I don't have the luxury of seeing what he does on the training ground. Maybe he does give the ball away constantly on the training ground. But whatever it is, Moyes still needs to be convinced by Ben Rama. I don't think he's written him off yet, but I still don't think he's... 100% convinced on him. That is my opinion. That is not ITK fact. Mm. Well, I, I do think that's a bit harsh because like you, I think he's our most exciting and arguably most creative player. I think it's fair to say that at times so far this season when he's played, you know, he has potentially missed an opportunity to pick the right pass. But he's definitely got the enthusiasm. He's definitely showing signs that he can make things happen. Um, but of course... The, the key point here, and you just mentioned it, and it's so important, and I think it's something the fans constantly overlook, I do at times, is what's happening on the training pitch. Because I think in a run-up to a match day, that is where you win your manager's confidence, isn't it? Um, yeah. And if it's not happening for him, it's not happening for him. But I hope well, I mean, it does, because I really like him. He seems like a great lad as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's very popular. I know that much. I mean, to be fair, Lair's popular as well. They all like him at the club. But what, you know, I got a lot of stick yesterday for saying what I said about the ball retention, and I thought that's what Moyes felt. And then he went and said it at the press conference. Um, So there's no two ways about it. That is what Moyes feels about him. And whether it's right or not is up to debate but that is what Moyes feels and uh, he needs to he needs to prove Moyes differently because I felt when he came on today I felt we had a chance of scoring a goal he arguably should have scored a goal you know it was a tricky chance it wasn't an out and out miss but maybe he should have scored but he got into that position and he got that chance which neither 
anyone else had done prior to that. He runs well. He takes people on. In the defence's mind, they know he's going to run at you, and that always puts you on edge. So I, I think he's merits a place. I thought Lanzini did okay today. I wouldn't say I was uh, over, like, you know, amazed by him. But I thought he did all right. But I would rather see Ben Rama have another go at that 10 spot. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that confuses me a little bit is David Moyes seems to have a bit of an issue with his ball retention, did you say? Yeah, as he said that. Yeah, but, but I don't understand, because surely Benny is the one type of player in that one type of position where ball retention isn't really expected because he's getting the ball, carrying it into the final third. And surely his job at that point is to put that final ball through or have a shot. I mean, it, surely that's that's the one player that you'd expect to give a license to where you're not looking to keep possession. You are looking to make things happen. And with that final ball, you're either going to deliver it and create something or have that ball intercepted by a centre-half and naturally lose it. So I think ball retention... For Ben Rama, I think I think that's unfair, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, maybe. As I say, it's that's Moise's words and not mine. So he, um, it's you know, it's what he thinks and what he sees, whether it's right or not. It's debatable, but that's that's the reason I think. I don't like him saying this stuff in public, mate. You know, I, I don't like it. I'm starting to have a bit of an issue with it, if I'm honest. I mean, you know, I'm not going to batter him too much because, like I said, you know, look, I was unhappy with what he done at Brighton last week. And there's a couple of things, including publicly having a, a pop at his own players that I don't like. But he has been brilliant so far this season. So I'm trying to kind of get the balance really on this podcast because, you know, I still think that there's a lot to be positive about with West Ham. And that's that's the way I'm trying to continue. Um but that obviously takes us to, to, to New Year's Day, which is Everton away. That's a tough game, that. I mean, how do you see that panning out? Um, it's so hard at that because it's really hard to predict what team he's going to put out. And obviously that makes a big um, variable to how I think they're going to do. Uh, I think we'll lose. They battered us in the cup this season. Um, I think they're a very good team. I really rate their manager. Um, and I think... They will win. I think they will win 2-1. I mean, anything can happen with West Ham. You never know. But, if, I, yeah, I'm not convinced. And they've had a whole week off as well. You know, we, we, their game against, was it Man City, was cancelled. So they haven't played for, they have about five, six, maybe is it a week? There might even be a week's gap between their fixtures. Whereas, obviously, we've played um we would have played another one in that time. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I think that our squad's not big enough, so I think we'll lose, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Always been a tough place to go and play that. And uh, I can't see us getting anything there, mate, to be honest. I think I'd, I'd go over a similar score to what you've said. I mean, talking of predictions, fucking hell, have I had a nightmare tonight? I mean, before a ball was kicked tonight, I was 139th and you were 194th. And I was quite comfortable with that. Now, I don't know if you've checked it tonight on the back of the results. No, I haven't. You haven't? No. Right. Well, I'm now 182nd and you're now 187th. Really? <laughs> and there's games going on now. Yeah, I know. Well, as it stands, there are 18 points between us now. 
No, mate, it's even closer. I've just I've just loaded it up now. You've got minus fifty one. That yeah. so serves you right after your <laughs> on the on the quiz where you offered me you'd actually not play for a week if I did well. That is karma. If ever the, if ever there was a karma, that is it. Minus fifty one, and I've got and I've got sixty two. So actually, the difference is. Oh yeah, sorry, my master shit is eighteen points. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But the, is that does that include all the games though? Well, I I I don't think that completes the week. No, because there are still some games to play. I mean, Man U have just beat, oh soccer. gosh, Man U scored the ninety third minute. Man U won Wolves nil ninety third minute. I think what? I called a Man U win there. Did you? I can't remember. I think I did. Let me have a look. Um, yeah, I did two one, so I've got the right goal, like the right goal difference as well. What did you call? Yeah, oh mate, but that's absolutely shocking. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to load it up. It's a bit slow on my phone at the moment. Uh, um, so you called yeah, two nil. Sweet, you called two nil, so that means I'll get a better score on that one as well. Oh, is that right? Oh, so okay, that's good. annoying. And then we've got the Tottenham game left, and you you've put Tottenham fastest goal, which you did last week as well. What are you in? Tottenham fan now. <laughs> Every week Listen, you put them as fast as No, goal. I don't. No, yes, I don't. Do. I, put them, I put them last week and I put them again this week because they're playing Fulham. But, you know, you listen. you put your Tottenham scarf on whilst watching Fulham? Mate, listen, listen. My girls have a Segway, yeah? And right. they keep asking me to have a go on it. Now, if I have a go on it, I predict I'm going to fall off and break my neck. Now, if I go on it and I fall off and break my neck... I'm not happy at the fact that I've broken my neck, have I? I've just predicted that that would be the case. And it, and it's the same with Tottenham. I don't want to score any fucking goal. But realistically, it's a predictions competition, isn't it? Fair enough, because that's quite a funny analogy. I'll let you... <laughs> right, OK, for the last time this year, let's see what the main man has to say. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way Podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished a new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this and this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. 
Plus Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.